peace be upon you. So mashallah, I've been on this path for a while. And over the years, there's a distinct personality type that I keep running into that follows a particular pattern and profile. These are individuals who are typically young, male, highly intelligent, and have fallen absolutely in awe of the religion. They love the Quran, its wisdom, and particularly are infatuated with the mathematical composition of the Quran. Their enthusiasm is contagious, and they believe with such zeal and conviction that it makes individuals who have been on this path for years sometimes even envious of them. Their conviction leads them to be very vocal in their faith. They are constantly proselytizing and want to be at the forefront of the action to debate individuals who disagree and proclaim their devotion to the cause of God. But then things take a turn for the worse. As they stick around relatively quickly, in a span of maybe months, sometimes even shorter, their enthusiasm turns contentious. When before they would rally people around the faith and the love of God, their energy shifts to driving wedges in division. Then, just as fast as they got into the faith, they pivot and they come up with a new understanding that was completely contradictory to what they previously believed. To the extent that they end up disavowing everything they previously proclaimed to believe in, including any articles they written, any YouTube videos they produced. And for years, I thought that the cycle ended there, as most of these interactions in the past were in person. So an individual would show up at the masjid, and immediately, they would just have this level of devotion more than anyone else. And uh, I thought, you know, after a while, they just got bored with it. They left. And I assumed that was the end of the story. But now, more and more of these interactions are happening online and places like Discord, and I started to realize something about these people, that their behavior was not a one-off fluke. I saw that the cycle for that person repeats over and over again, going from one faith and understanding, believing it with the utmost conviction, but only to completely abandon it a few months later for something else, and then continuing that cycle over and over and over again, each time with a new faith, a new zeal, a new conviction, out there arguing with everyone, but again, in a few months, they shift on to the next thing. So how do we make sense of this, this behavior? In the Bible, in the book of Matthew, Jesus gives a parable where he contrasts seeds that a farmer plants as a metaphor for believers. In one of these seeds that he describes, he says, other seeds fell on a shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Later on in the chapter, Jesus explains this parable and who these individuals, these seeds represent. It says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I believe this is an analogy for these kinds of individuals. That they get certain joy out of the message and they want to sprout immediately and proclaim to the world what it is that they discovered. But because they did not establish deep roots into the religion, they end up toppling over. But there's something else here that I think is unique for our times, a psychological factor for this behavior.
In order to understand what causes this behavior, it's worth understanding what triggers human motivation. What is it that compels a person to go whole hog into an ideology, then in a short time abandon all previously held principles and move on to the next thing? Humans are on an eternal quest for more and more pleasure. When this quest gets out of hand and becomes harmful, we call it an addiction. In one experiment, scientists placed electrodes to the pleasure centers of a rat's brain, such that each time the rats would be zapped, they would feel pleasure. Then the scientists created levers that the rodents could push so they could administer zaps to themselves. What they observed was that the rats would self-stimulate nonstop. Even when the electrode was turned off, the rats would continue pressing the lever again and again until they finally passed out from exhaustion. Their appetite for pleasure was insatiable. One rat self-stimulated more than 850,000 times over a span of 21 days. When offered a choice between pushing that lever and getting that zap of pleasure, or food, sleep, sex, water, the rat would opt for the lever, zapping itself until it collapsed and eventually died. Now, another thing that the researchers found out was that up until this point, the lever had a one-to-one -one relationship, meaning you push the lever and the rats would get a zap of pleasure. But when they changed that mechanism where the lever pushing and the zapping of pleasure became randomized, where sometimes they would push it and they would get pleasure and sometimes they'd push it and they wouldn't, what they found was the rats were more inclined to push that uh, lever more frequently. That by randomizing the pleasure that a rat was to receive, it actually incentivized him to become more addictive in his behavior. Usually when we think of addiction, we think of people addicted to drugs, alcohol, or gambling. But all these substances work in a similar uh, fashion, where the subject has a yearning, so they aim to find a means to satisfy that yearning, but in doing so only leads to more yearning. So they're never fully satisfied. And now what happened next was truly remarkable. The scientists created a lesion in the pleasure centers of the brains of the rats. What they discovered is that the animals who had this alteration would lose their characteristic sense of curiosity and even stop eating or drinking. The rats left in this condition were thus doomed to death unless they were force-fed. And now here is the unexpected part. When the rats were force-fed, they still felt pleasure. They saw that the, the response of the rats showed that they had pleasure from eating. But how is it possible that the portion responsible for pleasure was severed? that the rats still felt pleasure. It ends up there are two aspects to pleasure. The first is the aspect of wanting, and the other is the aspect of enjoying. Wanting is the desire and motivation that propels us into action, while enjoying is the satisfaction one has when experiencing something. For instance, imagine the desire for a nice, juicy cheeseburger. The thought of having one will cause your brain to release dopamine. This will make you feel good and motivate you to go and try to obtain that desire. But then there is a second part to pleasure, and that occurs when the individual has the opportunity to actually eat that delicious, juicy cheeseburger. 
Most individuals spend their life in constant state of the first form of pleasure. Their yearning for something far exceeds the satisfaction they get once they achieve it. The downside of this is that when the pleasure someone gets in seeking relief exceeds the satisfaction one gets when achieving the supposed relief, then it leaves the person feeling deflated and disappointed. And after enough of these cycles, it leads people of feelings of despondence and depression. The very first person I ran into that matched this profile came to the faith with such zeal, such conviction, that all of us were in awe of how much this message resonated with this person. But what became very clear was in a short span of a few months, this individual within the community, who was looked at so fondly, people enjoyed his presence so much, became the most contentious individual in the entire community, where he was being banned from being able to participate because all he wanted to do was to argue and drive wedges in division. And eventually, he left just as fast as he came in, and he adopted a completely different ideology, a completely different religion. And he did the same thing there. And then he continued this process for years, until last I heard, he actually ended up in severe spouts of depression, which unfortunately ended with him taking his own life. And for years, I wondered, was this a one-off case? Is this just a fluke? But then I'm seeing more and more of these personality types, individuals who, again, they just like immediately come into the religion and they believe with such conviction, such absolute certainty, only to go and then go into a completely contradictory belief months later. My theory is that these individuals get a major dopamine rush in the thought that they have discovered something new particularly something of a contrarian view that the majority don't hold. This burst of pleasure causes them to want to go deep into the faith and proselytize it to anyone who will listen to them. But after a while, that dopamine rush that they initially got fades away, and they're in search of something new to give them that high once more, to rekindle that enthusiasm, so they're off to the next faith. And what I discover is that they're yearning for something novel, something new, exceeds the satisfaction that the religion provides to them. And something else I'm realizing is that this isn't limited to individuals with religion. If anyone knows someone who gets deep into conspiracy theories, it often operates in the same manner. At the beginning, it's relatively tame. They'll have a theory like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And everyone's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And they would say like, okay, big pharma is pushing, you know, medications to fatten the bottom line at the expense of the well-being of the people. And they're like, okay, that's kind of believable. And then before you know it, it's, they say, hey, the moon landing didn't happen. Uh, the earth is flat. The uh, government is run by lizard people. <laughs> and you realize that it's not that they genuinely believe this, but they genuinely have this exuberance of discovering something new that blows their mind. And it's that dopamine rush that's keeping them going deeper and deeper into these uh, ideologies. People who follow this pattern are not seeking the truth. They are seeking novelty and the enjoyment they get out of the shock and astonishment of believing in something that's not mainstream. A milder case of this that maybe more people can resonate with is think about the individual in your friend circle. I think everyone has one, 
where they discover a new diet or an exercise routine and instantly become the world's biggest marketeer for this ideology. It starts with evangelizing to others, then they start looking down on those who don't share the same level of enthusiasm as they do or downright disregard what it is they're telling them. Then just as their enthusiasm starts to wane, they're on to the next thing, the next diet, the next exercise routine. This last year, I've had numerous conversations with people who come into the faith instantly, fall in love and become super active, only to move on to something else a month later. Then, a few months later, something else. And then the cycle rinse, repeat, over and over again. And what's ironic is that each time they stumble into a new faith, a new understanding, they believe it with the utmost certainty that they ultimately found the truth and there will be nothing, they, they completely deny that there will be anything that will shake them out of this position. And each time they end up eating their words, when they transition to whatever new understanding they stumble upon. God tells us this example in Surah 63 verse 4. It says, When you see them, you may be impressed by their looks. When they speak to you, you may listen to their eloquence. They are like standing logs. They think that every call is intended against them. These are the real enemies. Beware of them. God condemns them. They have deviated. This portrayal that they are like standing logs is emphasizing that these individuals have no roots into the faith. And this is a common occurrence, that there's a lot of talk, but not enough substance. And that is the problem, is that if someone is only after that, that, that pleasure that is received by being contrarian, by being novel, by doing something new, then that those roots were never established in the first place. God gives us the example in Surah 14, verse 24 through 27. It says, Do you not see that God has cited the example of the good word as a good tree whose root is firmly fixed and his branches are high in the sky? It produces its crop every season as designed by its Lord. God thus cites the example for people that they may take heed. And the example of the bad word is that of a bad tree chopped at the soil level. It has no roots to keep it standing. God strengthens those who believe with the proven word in this life and in the hereafter. God sends the transgressors astray. Everything is in accordance with God's will. What these people fail to recognize is that it is not the message that they are attracted to, but the novelty of discovering something new. And unless they truly believe in this message and they establish the hard work the grind that is necessary to create these roots, then they're just going to be toppled over the first time there's a disturbance, the first time that they, they start lacking that initial dopamine rush they got when they discovered a message. In the Arabic of the Quran, the word for a grain or a seed and the word for love come from the same root. And I believe the significance of this is that if you really want to have genuine love, genuine passion, genuine satisfaction for something, you have to, like a seed, establish roots. That the individuals who come out the gate wanting to be full-fledged trees, these are the ones that fail. But the individuals who spend their time growing and nurturing their relationship with God, that these are like the seeds that grow where it changes from that immediate yearning that 
dopamine hit they get of finding something novel shifts to something that's more long-lasting, where they enjoy the entire time that they're dedicating, striving in the cause of God. And while the main focus we're talking about is those who have these characteristics in regards to religion, ultimately what we're discussing is the concept of addiction. An addiction is just the false sense of satisfaction that a person is hoping to achieve when they chase a hedonistic lifestyle, one that is focused on instant pleasure. Consider how many individuals have completely lost the ability to find a spouse, maintain a long-lasting relationship, or even stay monogamous once they're married. And this has to do with the advent of applications like Tinder. Individuals who fall into this trap find themselves into an endless series of hookups that initially seem euphoric, but ultimately leave them incapable of settling down and thus never satisfied in a relationship. And because once that honeymoon phase is over, that infatuation with the partner is over, individuals, because they have not established roots with one another to work through hardship, to grow together, that as soon as the relationship gets difficult, they're on to the next one. So again, their desire for that instant gratification exceeds the actual satisfaction the relationship provides them. So as soon as things get rough, they get tough, they're out. They basically move on to the next thing. Or consider another phenomenon, that of doom scrolling, where individuals endlessly scroll through TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, each time hoping they find that little gem that's going to give them satisfaction. But no matter how much they scroll, they're never fully satisfied because that yearning is greater than the satisfaction they get from actually finding the post, the perfect post that gives them joy. These kinds of activities not only leave us unsatisfied, they leave us worse off than we were before. In Surah 24, verse 39, it reads, As for those who disbelieve, their works are like a mirage in the desert. A thirsty person thinks that it is water, but when he reaches it, he finds that it is nothing, and he finds God there instead to requite him fully for his works. God is the most efficient reckoner. Individuals who live a hedonistic lifestyle are in constant pursuit of satisfaction. But again, these actions only leave them worse off because that yearning that they have will never be nourished, will never be satisfied. So what is the cure to all this? God gives us that answer in Surah 13 verse 14. It reads, Imploring Him is the only legitimate supplication while the idols they implore beside him can never respond. Thus, they are like those who stretch their hands to the water, but nothing reaches their mouths. The supplications of the disbelievers are in vain. When we look for satisfaction, gratification from anyone aside from God alone, we're going to be left off still thirsty for more. The only way that we can quench our satisfaction this high that we're yearning for and transition that to a long-lasting enjoyment is if we implore God alone. People who are looking for exaltation, they're looking for that high, getting into the religion, and aren't genuinely sincere in growing that relationship with God, establishing those roots with their Creator, are going to eventually leave the religion deflated, looking for that next thing that is going to potentially quench that thirst that they have. 
But until they realize that every other path is an empty vessel, that the only path that is going to give them true satisfaction is their supplication and worshiping of God alone, not looking for accolades of others and not looking for remedies that are sinful at heart. God tells us in the Quran that it contains healing and mercy and answers to anything that troubles our hearts. In Surah 1057, it says, O people, enlightenment has come to you here and from your Lord and healing for anything that troubles your hearts and guidance and mercy for the believers. The word Islam in Arabic has two meanings. The first is that of submission, as an absolute submission to the will of God. But it also means peace. If you want to tell that you are on the straight path, try to determine, are you in a state of peace or are you only happy when you're distracted with something novel? When we have inner peace by genuinely submitting to God, then we are on, no longer on this hedonic treadmill. It's only then can we see if our belief is genuine. In Surah 2 verse 265, we have the example, it reads, the example of those who give their money seeking God's pleasure out of sincere conviction is that of a garden on high fertile soil. When heavy rain falls, it gives twice as much crop. If heavy rain is not available, a drizzle will suffice. God is seer of everything you do. As a believer, our utmost priority needs to be to seek God's pleasure. That if we do that, irrespective, if God gives us a lot of abundance or even a tiny amount, we're going to be eternally satisfied with it. When we can strive in the cause of God without the need for accolades or validation in our privacy, when no one other than God can see us, then it is a sign that we are being sincere in our belief. But if we're only satisfied when we're out there in front of an audience debating with people, then it's a sign that our belief is not sincere. In Surah 76, verse 7 through 10, it reads, They fulfill their pledges and reverence, a day that is extremely difficult. They donate their favorite food to the poor, the orphan, and the captive. And they say, We feed you for the sake of God. We expect no reward from you, nor thanks. We fear from our Lord a day that is full of misery and trouble. As a believer, we have to do the things that please God only for the sake of pleasing God. The second we are only looking for rewards in this world, instant gratification, then it shows that our faith needs to be improved, that our faith and our commitment to God needs to be sincere. I'm going to end with one verse. This is Surah 57, verse 20. It says, Know that this worldly life is no more than play and games and boasting among you and hoarding of money and children. It is like abundant rain that produces plants and pleases the disbelievers. But then the plants turn into useless hay that are blown away by the wind. In the hereafter, there is either severe retribution or forgiveness from God and approval. This worldly life is no more than a temporary illusion. If we want to be satisfied in this world and in the hereafter, let's make those inroads with God. Let's develop those roots, those relationships to strengthen our foothold so that when the novelty of the religion wears off and it comes to the aspect if we're going to be steadfast and in it for the long term, that God gives us that inner peace, that satisfaction, that we submit wholeheartedly to Lord of the universe. And once we do that, then we won't waver 
and we won't be distracted by the next shiny object. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you like the podcast, please share it with other people, leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless.